Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles, your podcast for everything Smart Cities action and investment. Uh, my name is Adam Beck. I'm your host of the Smart Cities Chronicles, and I'm also the Executive Director of the Smart Cities Council for the Australia and New Zealand region. This episode of the Chronicles is yet another instalment of our PropTech project, which is unpacking and exploring not only the world of PropTech, but how it fits with the idea of sustainability and purpose and green buildings and all those good things. And joining me for this episode, uh, all the way from Rome, is Angelica Donati, who is the President and CEO of Donati Immobilier Group. Angelica, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Adam. Thank you so much for having me today. That is a uh, that is a pleasure. Um, I'd like to start, Angelica, by asking you a question about who you are and what you do, so our listeners can get a sense of our guest today. Yes, of course. So, well, obviously, um, you you've said my name already. I run a um, property development and construction company called Donati Immobiliare Group. We're based in Rome in Italy, which is where I am right now. And we also work internationally in the US and in the UK. I'm also heavily involved in, in the prop tech scene, which is the reason why I'm taking part in this, in this podcast. And um, on top of my role with my company, I'm also a venture partner at Concrete VC, which is a London-based PropTech venture venture platform, and as well as that, um, and it, it seems like I wear a lot of hats, but they're quite synergistic, which is so they go hand in hand. But I'm also a writer for Forbes on the um, well, a contributor for Forbes on the topic of innovation and technology in construction and real estate. Well, let, let's start there with the questions, Angelica. When mm-hmm. did um when did your sort of journey start with PropTech and sort of what made you passionate about this agenda? So um, I would have to say that it was probably, well, it wasn't actually that long ago, around 2016. Um, what happened was that we were no- starting to notice that the market was quite toppish in all the countries that we operate in. I mean, beyond um, Italy, which has been, um, well, at least with the property industry, has been married in recession for 10 years. But in both the UK and the US, um, 2016 marked the beginning of the end of the cycle, a cycle that was probably longer than we'd expected it to be anyways. And um, I also started being very interested in counter-cyclical measures that could be put in place when, as inevitably was going to happen, the market would contract. And and just kind of in a serendipitous fashion, I started looking at um, an idea with a couple of friends of mine from business school um, about a counter-cyclical measure for the real estate market, and we we co-founded a PropTech startup off the back of that. Um, I'm still an investor in that startup; it's, it's still running in London and doing quite well. And that was um, that was kind of my um, my first exposure to the world of PropTech, and and I've never looked back. So I um, uh, I've continued to be ever more heavily involved in the PropTech scene. I start off by writing a research report for the RICS when I was at my, working at my startup full-time setting it up, um, and that got a lot of interest, and I got given a column in Property Week, and then off the back of that, I got my column in Forbes, and off the back of that, I was offered to join um, Concrete VC as a venture partner because I have access to a lot of startups and a lot of investors, and so the fit was very, um, was very good, and, and here we are. 
Okay, so so you you your origins were in property, and then mm-hmm. and then the the sort of the the tech or the technology piece came came after, yeah. Yeah. So so tell me a little bit about your startup then. How how and what uh, is is that sort of looking to do? So I have to say that I'm no longer operationally involved in the startup because at, at a certain point I had to make a decision on what, what to do because I had a whole business that I was running, which I put on hold for that. Um, but the startup is a residential lettings and sales platform. So the idea there is to automate away the repetitive tasks. So to um, streamline the way the real, real estate market works. So I, I feel that, or, or rather, not just I feel that, but a lot of people in the PropTech scene feel that um, this mass customization approach for real estate is probably at the at the end of the line for a lot of the, a lot of functions, and one of the functions that is slowly being is slowly being automated to a degree, or there's a lot of players on the market trying to do so, um, is the sales and ethics process as they're trying to make it faster and more transparent and more price competitive. So we were, or we are. Or rather, the startup is a platform, a, a supply-side platform for the um, sales and lettings market. So to to match agents to properties and make that whole side of the process go faster. Mm, okay, fascinating. Did, was that um, was, was that sort of journey or that problem or issue that you identified? Was that was that part of a um, sort of a formal process or accelerator you went through, or you woke up one morning and thought, I'm going to solve that part of the the challenge in the property world? Oh, no, we worked on it a lot. We didn't go through an, a formal accelerator, but we, let's say, accelerated internally over over a significant period of time before we went to market with it. And and, and as, you know, as, as, as any startupper um, worth their salt would do, we tested it and iterated it and, you know, did research and did, um, you know, uh, everything we could to validate our thesis before we spent time and effort on it. Mm, absolutely. Okay. So, so let's sort of start at a place of, of um, grounding our, our thinking and mindset and, and definition around prop tech. So um, it's, and, and as you say, I mean, you, you rightly say, um, you know, this is somewhat of a, of a, of a young and new agenda and, and the terminology. Mm-hmm. Well, however, technology and property has been around for quite some time. So, Talk to me about um, property technology versus prop tech. And, and, and I don't necessarily know if, if versus is the right word, mm. but um, can, you, can you sort of help me un, un, unpack that in your mind? And also from your perspective, of course, of, of extensive writing and seeing what's happening in industry, what, what are you seeing as this, um, this differentiation or not between property technology and prop tech? So that's a very good question. And I think, um, of course, I mean, let me uh, premise that with saying that everybody will have a different opinion on this, or rather there's lots of different views out there and there's no correct interpretation. Ultimately, what I always say is, at the, in the end, what really matters is that we're giving solutions or rather that the startups and the companies involved are bringing solutions that make the environment better and make their clients um, businesses perform better they make their users live better or work better in the areas that they're that they're affecting so it's it's 
not necessarily um, a game changing debate, but I, in my view, um, I think it really the bar is a is, is a moving bar. So I think that what was considered cutting edge in prop tech, let's say three years ago, might be today just the way business is done. And so I think that would be, to me, the moving definition of what the difference between property technology and prop tech, as you put them, is. Whereby prop tech in its essence should be something innovative. If it's something run of the mill and everyday, which no longer is innovative, but is part of the status quo, then it probably isn't prop tech, it's just technology that gets used in property. So to give you the most simple example that I can think about in the consumer space, um, when they were the first invented right move and Zoopla, so the, the portals were game changers. They revolutionized the the um, agency space because all of a sudden you went from having ads on the back of a newspaper to having them online. That was great in 2000, and it's still a fantastic in business to be in now, but that side of the business is probably just business as usual now. It isn't prop tech. It isn't innovative. Zoopla and Rymove are investing heavily in a lot of very sophisticated tech, which is prop tech, to um, you know, enhance their game and to diversify, etc. So I think that is the difference between the two. Um, and and I don't think you can ever really set that bar at a single level. It's always a moving target, as it should be, because our hope for the for the market is that the market keeps on evolving and it keeps on assimilating new tech. And as it assimilates new tech and it evolves further and further, then the bar continuously become to be raised on what is innovative and what is prop tech. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, there's parts of that definition, which are, which are sort of new to me that you've just shared, which is, which is quite fascinating. Fascinating. And I think that um, reinforces your, your sort of introductory statement there around um, the, the, the multiple definitions, just, um, just elaborating a little bit. Um, it's been often described to me that prop tech is, um, is it, is at times referred to as, as an umbrella concept with some other, parts fitting under it um and mm -hmm. we're definitely starting to see more more chatter about the words plan tech and place tech have you have you come across those concepts before yeah and i mean there's all these other questions out there as well or debates around i don't know for example is contact prop tech and then yeah. where does legal tech fit in and and i think that i think that this just goes to show the growing size of the market, which is only a good thing, because you know, back in twenty, what was it, twenty sixteen, when there was just over one hundred million dollars of investment in prop tech worldwide, I don't think there was enough money in the business or enough companies in the business for that segmentation to be relevant or possible. Whereas as the pool grows, I mean, the the estimates for last year um, vary, but we're talking about you know in the teens of billions of dollars invested globally by VCs in 2018, um, it, it brings depth to the market and that additional depth allows for further segmentation. Um, and I mean, it's great to be able to put things into buckets. I, I don't know whether that is a an issue though, or, or in a sense whether that makes a massive difference apart from the fact that it proves that the market's growing. Mm, yeah, okay. Now that's... um. That that that's fair. Um, just just sort of finally before we we move to some other 
questions about PropTech. Um, I'm trying to also get a sense of um, PropTech and, and startups. And it, mm-hmm. is this just a startup agenda? Um, you know, we, we have a, a number of established companies and, and firms and even developers themselves who have been around for decades and decades and they've kind of been, you know, using technology and digital transformation in, in property for a long time. Um, I'm trying to help, help me sort of reconcile PropTech just being a startup agenda versus, you know, a, a, an established mega company who is creating or developing some new IP or new, new solutions using technology and data. How, how does, how, how do those two have, can those two, are those two words mutually exclusive? Startup and PropTech. So I think that start. I mean, PropTech cannot just be a startup agenda for one very simple reason is that, which is that, in order for 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 their for the startup technology to be successful, they need industry incumbents buy in. Mm. So, um, you know, um, stepping away from let's say the consumer-facing businesses. Um, which are only a small part of the of the pot. The vast majority of startups um, need to work with real estate incumbent companies to survive. Well, not even to survive, to even just get started. So mm. there needs to be that ongoing dialogue between you know David and Goliath, between the small startup and the large corporate. And I think the single hardest part is to make them meet mm. um, for a variety of reasons because the startups are very small, um, and the and the corporates are very big. The startups don't have the, the, the lifespan in, to sit around and wait for the corporate sales cycles to, um, you know, to, 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 to be fulfilled. Whereas the large corporates perhaps can't even um, devote enough attention to such a small, um, small thing as a startup, you know, a small amount of money to invest, small part of the market to tackle at the very beginning. And so I think the biggest, um, the biggest step forward in the PropTech ecosystem in the past couple of years has been these large corporates finding ways to give the startups that bring them the solutions that are useful for them the attention that they deserve. And a lot of this has been done and is being done. And, and that's one big trend, which we'll probably see uh, crystallizing this year through real estate industry incumbents setting up their own venture funds or mm-hmm. the venture arms rather, um, through which they not only invest in startups, but they most importantly partner with the startups. Okay, so and and just on trends, Angelica, you sp- you spend a bit of time taking in and consuming what's happening around the world, um, and of course that that's sort of expressed through your writing. Can you give me uh, give our listeners a bit of a sense of the key prop tech trends right now? What's going on at the moment? You know, what are the what are the sort of the greatest hits that you're seeing? Yeah, and I mean, and I think it's it's quite fitting that we are speaking during the smart cities um podcast about this because the single biggest trend and and this is a macro trend which encompasses a lot of a lot of micro trends obviously for 2019 that i've seen speaking to both investors and startups is definitely um smart tech so smart tech is everything from well it's pretty much everything that makes buildings and places smart and therefore transitions real estate or enables a transition of real estate from an asset-based business to a customer-based business. Um, and I would say out of 
everything that I've seen, this is the the the, the umbrella term that encompasses encompasses uh, sorry encompasses encompasses is the most the most um, the most change and the most innovation. And I think this reflects the fact that real estate companies ultimately, um, although they do also are, they are also starting to be able to think about moonshots, you know, really disrupting disruptive solutions for the very long term. Ultimately, what they need to do is they need to make their businesses worth more now. And the easiest way, or rather the most obvious way to make a, your business worth more now is to really hone down, hone in on who your consumer is, who your customer is, who you need to keep happy. And the, the answer to that is you need the people who work in the offices that you rent out to your tenants to be happy. You need the residents in your residential units to be happy. You need the shoppers who go to your malls to be happy. And all of this smart building tech enables that without the smart tech you literally cannot do it your um your description there i think perfectly defines how much of a very broad church prop tech is in terms of i suppose when you map it against the life cycle of an asset you know from Mm -hmm. everything from sort of site acquisition um planning and design construction of course and then things like sales and letting and an ongoing operation, you know, it's a very broad life cycle. Um, part of this this uh, this prop tech project series that we're doing is exploring this idea of um, of prop tech for purpose. And what um, what kind of inspired me or instigated this was a uh, a report that I read. Um, I think it was late last year, if not early this year, um, coming from the it was from the future cities catapult and um, mm-hmm. there was a, there was a diagram in there that was really, uh, really sort of confronting for me, which was it mapped the amount of um, venture capital going into those various parts of the asset life mm-hmm. cycle. And oh yeah. It was the one done with the BPF. I think it was yes, the one they caught. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it certainly showed and indicated um, a far majority of, of uh, venture capital, dollars going into um, um, leasing and sales and things like that. And um, as, as a, uh, as a practitioner in, in sort of sustainability within the built environment um, and I've hung around a, a lot of, a lot of sort of key agendas within property. So for example, building information modeling, you know, which has been around for, for eons yet. Um, often often very much challenged in in getting sort of pervasive use um i was i was sort of struck by i was struck by that and i thought to myself you know why isn't um uh, why isn't the vc vc money going into sort of you know the, the the better design of buildings or the better operation of buildings and 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 my sort of link there or the 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 sort of the key key lens through which i looked looked at that was uh, from a climate change perspective, you know, our buildings, um, particularly in Australia, our commercial buildings are uh, one of the largest contributors to greenhouse gas emissions. And so it's it, it sort of, I, I don't want to say it wasn't adding up to me, but it was just showing me that, that there was a trend there that um, was was questioning my interpretation of whether this prop tech agenda is really an agenda for, for, for purpose and, and, and probably... Mm-hmm planetary purpose I was referring to there. What, um, 
What are you sort of seeing out there in the marketplace with respect to PropTech being a strategic agenda and strategy for, for, for those sort of social or environmental issues? And, and maybe let's just, just sort of stick on those sort of purposeful agenda items for the mm. moment. I think, yeah, that's a very good question. And um, so, okay, so to answer your question, and this might not be the most satisfactory answer, um, <laughs> so because it's, it's something that I've never really, and, and I would have to say, like I admit, I've never really had to think about it, about it in these terms. But now that you've mentioned it, I, okay, so let's start from the, from, from, from the first step, which is obviously, you know, if we destroy the planet, there won't be anywhere for us to live. And so all, no matter how much money we make and you know, how many assets we have in our portfolio, we'll all be dead. And so, you know, there won't be anybody to enjoy the benefits of it. So obviously sustainability is extremely important. And I think that real estate stakeholders, as, a, as, as all global stakeholders, are getting, becoming more and more and more aware of this. Mm. And there are a lot, there is a lot of tech that helps with this, especially when you start thinking about um, circular economy and I don't know like passive house um, type construction um, it, we are becoming more and more environmentally aware I think the reason why your uh, well the report you read um, showed no investment into that pocket is because there aren't any um, sustainable well, exclusively sustainably focused investors out there by which I mean that um, Investors will invest and real estate companies will work with startups that bring them sustainability as well. But there isn't any um, specific vehicle just for that. Um, and, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't have any, 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 any data to back this up. I'm just speaking anecdotally. That doesn't mean that sustainability isn't very high up on the agenda of all the investors and all the real estate companies that are engaging with the startups. I think from what I've seen, and again, only anecdotally, that actually sustainability is very important, but it's probably, it's, it's, it, it, just, it probably is rolled into a lot of other things, and so perhaps it's slightly hidden. Mm. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I, uh, I mean, I suppose it's early days as well, isn't it? I mean, it's, um, it's still, it's still an evolving agenda. Um, I, I, I sort of, I wouldn't use the word mentor, but I hang around uh, a lot of startups. Um, I'm affiliated with um, with a couple of accelerators and just provide sort of more industry sort of input from a smart cities perspective. It's certainly. Mm -hmm. It's certainly growing, and as you identified from sort of what you're seeing out there in terms of the key trends, um, is there is there something that you're seeing coming over the horizon that excites you? I mean, it, it's such a such a rapidly evolving agenda. I mean, what what are you getting excited about with PropTech? So, um, as we said at the beginning of this chat, PropTech is such a wide spectrum of things. And I think there's a lot of exciting things happening in PropTech. Um, what I'm particularly and personally excited about is more because of what I do in my main business. It's not necessarily because it's the most exciting thing in the space, but I'm very excited about everything construction tech related. Because if PropTech is a few cycles behind, let's say, FinTech, Construction is several cycles behind other parts of the prop tech sphere, and there is a whole argument that construction is not is not prop tech, and so they shouldn't be 
um, group together, but I group them together. So, you know, in my definition, construction is part of PropTech, although not everybody will agree, but, or construction tech is part of PropTech. But let's say it is. Um, it's definitely the one of the segments within PropTech that is furthest behind, even though there's a few very, very large companies that are innovating construction in a very meaningful way. And, you know, we've all seen Autodesk's crazy acquisition spree um, in the past couple of years. Um, but there's just so much value to potentially be gained by bringing technology into the construction process. So the construction industry, there's a brilliant McKinsey report from a couple of years back now, which basically, well, I mean, it, it highlights all of the weak points in the construction industry and it summarizes these, this by saying that there's only been a 1% 1 1 productivity growth annually for the past two decades versus 3.6% per year per manufacturing. So it's less, less than the third of the productivity growth you got annually in manufacturing for construction. Construction is pretty much sitting still where it was 50 years ago, more or less. And if we could innovate across the entire construction value chain, we could bring um, efficiency gains of up to 60%. Mm. Now for a business that runs on very, very, very slim margins and very high risk, this is literally the difference between being an industry nobody wants to work in because it's just not worth the risk and an industry that has some really significantly exciting opportunities. So for me, it's construction, but then again, like I said, it's because it's my sector, well, it's the sector I work in, and so it's something that deeply interests me. Okay, so this is this is fascinating, Angelica. So um, I... I follow, I follow that up with another question to you around why. So here we have an industry, a sector that in some ways hasn't really, um, I don't want to say hasn't innovated, but it, it's been very sluggish in, mm -hmm. in sort of, and this is what I see with BIM as well, you know, other, other mm -hmm. sect sectors digitized decades ago in Australia, you know, mining and agriculture, you know, have all, undergone massive um, transformation from a, from a digital and technology perspective, but property and construction mm -hmm. still, still is that global laggard. So, so how does this global laggard, this, this construction sector go from being the, the place that it is now? And we all know, and we've read those potential productivity gains that could be made. Um, but how does, how does it change gears and embrace technology, agility, um, fundamental trans transformation. How does it, um, mm. how does it go through that, that process? That seems such a, such a, such a mind sh mindset shift, doesn't it? It, it is. And it's also, um, it, it would also, it will also require a shift in the way things are set up because right now, um, I mean, the onus, is kind of on the construction companies if they want to ad adopt technologies, you know, within their business. But in reality, construction companies are racing against the clock and against their budget to, you know, get construction projects completed in time. They're tendering for work, and once they win the tender, they just do what they've been asked, and no more, no less, because they don't have the margins or the bandwidth or the time to do any any, any anything other than exactly what the client wants, if they can. And a lot of times, there's a lot of um, issues with change orders and defects because, you know, um, the rework in the construction is really huge, uh, is a really high number as well because it's pretty much a bespoke made product all the way through. So 
<laughs> in my view, it, it, it would need to sit with the owners, whether they're private owners or public owners, um, and the owners would need to put it in their briefs, so demand specific types of tech get used on site, but also pay for it. So the, the cost of that can't be turned over to the contractors because the contractors are pretty strapped for cash mm. on each project in the best in, 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 in the best case scenario. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So so contract and, and, and construction technology is a is a big one for you. Are, are there any, any other major gaps that your your sort of feelings still exist? So there I think in in across the board there is well there are opportunities for the big moonshot ideas so the kind of um i don't know the the, the google 10 percent projects which at the moment because um the companies who are embracing PropTech are having to be very pragmatic about what they do um moonshots are still not something that is heavily invested in and therefore we're seeing a lot of incremental innovation and not that much truly disruptive innovation because you need very deep pockets and very patient investors to do that. Um, yeah. so Angelica, just a quick one for our listeners that don't know what moonshots are. Can you describe? Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, literally try to hit the moon. Mm. So you, you, you're, 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 you're betting on something that has very small probabilities of success in today's environment, which will cost a lot of money and take a lot, lot, lots of time. But if it works out, it's like, you know, being the first astronaut to land on the moon. Mm. Um, it's those all or nothing, you know, big bets where you, I don't know, for example, you're bringing in an entirely new technology and changing the way, the entire way a business is being run, as opposed to finding a way to make the way the business is currently run better. Um, and, and that also goes hand in hand with hand in hand with the types of tech that are being used. So um, I don't know, for example, uh, let's, let's use the, the, um, the example of the construction tech, just because we were talking about this before. Mm. There's a lot of really cool stuff going into workflow management and basically making the whole admin part of the of the worksite more efficient so that your thing is right on time uh you know your staffing is perfectly monitored uh everything is as efficient as possible but then the actual construction work is still carried out in the way it's always been now you're still you're gaining a ton of productivity because you're not wasting anything but you're still building everything manually the way it was built 50 years ago Mm. so then the moonshot there would be how do we find the way to basically turn a construction site into a factory maybe bring in robotics maybe um i don't even know like a mixture of offsite manufacturing and 3d printing and robotics and uh, machine learning artificial intelligence big data i don't even know but mm. that would be the moonshot and mm. do it all together in one go there's um there's obviously some clear you know crystal clear benefits here productivity and um the, the greenhouse gas emissions reduction. I, I mean, prop tech and contact. I mean, contact. It, it, it's it, it's sort of a no brainer in some in some in some ways. So, Angelica, are you seeing anywhere in, around the world where you have um, 
uh, I suppose I'd describe it some way as sort of nationwide strategies for prop tech. I mean, has government or, you know, representative bodies within the property and construction sector, have they, have they sort of really seen, seen the light and the opportunity here and the, and put in place very clear strategy? I mean, we're certainly seeing accelerators um, mm-hmm. you know, pop up all the time, but from, from a more policy perspective, maybe, you know, it, it's not necessarily a sexy topic policy, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, is there anyone around the world who's really embracing this agenda strategically to to use it as an economic development and a, and a sort of an economic prosperity kind of platform? So there is a strong argument for that to be the case or to be on the agenda in the UK. And there was a paper published just a couple of weeks ago by the BPF, specifically so BPF is the British Property Federation um, in the UK. And they commissioned a paper specifically on that topic to basically advocate for a greater policy involvement in prop tech. Um, there's obviously a lot of catapults and there's obviously things like the SES and EIS programs, which have programs which have helped startup investment across the board in the UK. Um, but there is an argument that because so much real estate is in the public domain, there needs to be there needs to be a, a government involvement mm. as well as a private involvement. And the answer to your question is, I don't really know. I know that there's a lot of advocacy for it in the UK. Um, I know that the US is the most advanced market with regards to prop tech. And I don't think, but I might be wrong, I don't think they have any specific policies around that beyond the very favorable investment climate that, you know, that is kind of positive for all of tech. Mm. Well, that um, that certainly might be one that we we see uh, shift a little bit in, in the coming years, one would hope. Um, mm-hmm. Just sort of a couple, couple of final questions, Angelica, before we sort of wrap up. Um, can you give me a bit of a reflection about what you've learned along the way? You know, that, that sort of moment where it seems like you started the startup world yourself and, um, got, got fully immersed, you know, overnight in prop tech. What have you learned about, um, property and, and construction along the way? I mean, I learned an entirely new business really, because, um, you know, the startup world, regardless of the sector, is very, very different from the traditional business world. The metrics are different. You're trying to scale fast. You have no money. Um, and I think, I think the biggest skill that I learned throughout was, well, not. I would like to say being able to, but I don't know if I'm always able to, but trying to cut to the heart of the problem. Um, and you really want to be able to, or try to be able to, um, distinguish between the noise and facts, especially when you're building something new in an area where there was nothing before. Um, you don't have any precedent to work with. So you are trying to build something on first principles and you're basically making up the rules as you go along. So um, you need to have a lot of um, discipline and a lot of, um, you need to be willing to listen to reality as opposed to your, as opposed to what you would like to hear because you really want your idea to work. Mm. So I think that, that but, but that's not specific to property. That's, I mean, any startup, of, a startup will tell you that the difference between success and failure is pretty much 
on the one hand, execution, because you can have the best idea, but if you don't execute it properly, then you'll never get anywhere. But also being willing to listen to, or look in the face of evidence and adjust your approach accordingly. Um, I've learned about sides of the property industry that I never knew anything about. So I've become more of an all-rounder because there's, I've looked at tech in all in all segments of property or in, or in many segments of property. So I've discovered, you know, things about agencies that I never thought I would, and about leasing that I never thought I would, thought I would about valuations that I never needed to know. So it's, it's been a great learning curve for me. Well, that's excellent. Um, uh, my final question then, Angelica, is sort of the, the year ahead. Um, what, on, on prop tech and, and and your business and what you're doing what's 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 exciting you for 2019 what are you looking forward to so i think 2019 i mean will be sorry i'm just gonna cough one second that's right <clears throat> i was also ill last week so <laughs> apologies um that's right. so i think 2019 um will be the year where the real estate industry really puts its money where its mouth is in terms of prop tech so um, 2018, everybody thought, you know, this is PropTech's year. This is the year PropTech is mainstream. PropTech is now a big deal. And it was a big deal, but um, it was slightly disappointing in terms of implementation by real estate incumbents. And as we discussed earlier, it's great to have great tech, but you need real estate companies to use it. So um, several indicators, including the fact, as I was telling you before, that a lot of or many real estate incumbents are now setting up their own proprietary investment vehicles, point to the fact that they're taking it seriously now. And all the startups that I've spoken to have, have noticed a strong uptick in engagement with their potential clients, even if, you know, potentially not everybody's going to work with them, but the engagement on the topic is much stronger now. So 2019, I think, is the year that the real estate industry actually starts using PropTech in a meaning, meaningful way. And then the bar starts shifting, you know, then what was PropTech becomes just you know, tech that the companies use and, you know, the, the, the bleeding edge will move out further and further. Um, beyond that, there is a strong expectation for consolidation in the industry this year, which is a, a sign of maturity as well. Um, there continues to be a, a thirst for data by the, um, by the startups in the scene. And, and that's not surprising because one of the biggest issues startups have is access to data, especially the ones that are uh, building the more sophisticated technologies such as artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, and then obviously uh, everybody who's in the industry thinks that investment is going to keep on growing. And I've heard estimates of $20 billion invested globally for 2019. So let's, let's, let's cross our fingers for that. And then, as I said, I think the year, well, the year 2019 will be the year for smart technology. So smart buildings, smart, smart cities, smart everything. Well, it's certainly a market that, uh, that can, continues to grow in, in, you know, prospective size. And I, I think many of us have got our, our fingers crossed that we can, uh, we can certainly give it that, um, that shot in the arm, um, that it needs. I mean, we're seeing some, some great things already, so I can only imagine what, um, what's sort of still yet to come. Um, Angelica, it's been, it's been great chatting with you today as part of our PropTech project series of podcast episodes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Adam. No, that's a pleasure.
Uh, and for our listeners, uh, the Smart Cities Chronicles are there for subscribing to. You can access them through your typical platforms, Apple, iTunes podcast and SoundCloud and Spotify. Uh, you can also head to our website at smartcitieschronicles.com uh, to get further information. We also love feedback as well. Uh, if you go to the website, you will see our email address there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, but for now, uh, we've finished yet another episode uh, of the Chronicles as part of our PropTech project. I've been talking uh, with Angelica Donati, who is the president and CEO of Donati Immobiliary Group. Uh, and until our next episode, we hope you have a great week and keep well. <laughs>